BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. I'm live at the headquarters of Our Revolution in Washington, D.C. Uh, we'll be doing our show from uh, Our Revolution here today. We're going to be at a different place every day this week. We're going to be at Greenpeace. We're going to be at the Postal Workers Union. We're going to be at Social Security Works. And we're going to be at We Act Radio. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a great time. And uh, But here at Our Revolution... Uh, we're going to have a series of guests uh, to inform you about what's going on with our revolution and the state of the Democratic Party and the state of just pretty much everything. It's Larry Cohen for our first hour. Larry, you're the, you're the uh, board chair, right, for our revolution? Board chair, yeah. Welcome to the program. Yeah, Welcome great to be with back. you again. Yeah, yeah great to see you. So, uh, first of all, let, let's talk a little bit about the news of the day, okay? Just... You know, and then we can start digging into some of the Our Revolution stuff because we've got you know three hours of Our Revolution. But um, Chuck Grassley, uh, I believe this was on NPR Friday. I heard this, but he may have said it in other venues. Let me just um, share this with people. He said that uh, this is oh, this was an interview with the Des Moines Register. I heard the same thing on NPR, and I and I I didn't realize it was Grassley. It must have been though. He says. I think not having the estate tax rec recognizes the people yeah. that are investing as opposed to those who are just spending every darn penny they have, whether it's on booze or women or movies. So, Larry, you don't even have to consider the inheritance tax unless you and your wife make over, uh, own over $22 million worth of assets, that all of which you're trying to pass along to, to one of your kids, and, and uh, or to all your kids, I guess. And I don't know anybody who, who you know, I mean, how does the average working person waste $22 million on booze, women, uh, and movies? This, this, this is crazy. What, what the hell is going on here? Well, I think, he shows, I think he shows who he cares about. Yeah. So he cares about, obviously, his way of life, which is the 1%, or the 1% of the 1%. And he cares about the donors who have backed him up for years. And this is contempt for working people in Iowa who grow things and make things for generations. Uh, who, in fact, not only in terms of what they produce are the backbone of our, of our country, but also that Economics 101 teaches us that the demand curve matters. Right now, the demand curve has been smashed. There's been no wage increases in real terms after inflation for decades in this country. And instead of focusing on that, they're focused again on the supply side, 40 years of the supply side. And again, anybody who studies this at all knows it's never worked. Right. Yeah, supply side economics is a sad joke, tragically. I, I found a quote from 1898, a Republican yeah. politician <laughs> during the McKinley administration. Who, they, they used to call this the sparrows and uh, horses and sparrows theory. Uh -huh. And I mean, literally starting in the 1870s, the Republicans started pitching for sales, uh, for uh, tax cuts and things. And the theory was that if you feed the oats to the horses, they have horses only have about a fifty percent efficient digestive system, uh, because horse poop is like food for a lot of other things, you know, bugs and I don't know, and mushrooms, <laughs> and and that and that the the fifty percent of undigested oats that come out of the back end of the horse, the sparrows eat, and sparrows do love to eat from horse patties, right? 
And so this was the theory that they, that literally, the Republican Party was pitching in the 1870s to the 18 to 1900. They called it. They, everybody knew. Today we call we call it trickle down economics. They called it the horse and sparrow theory, and people bought it. It's amazing. Here we are, what 130 years later, and right. they're still trying to sell this crap. Right. Well, that's the saddest point. So give them a pass for 1898 to a certain extent. If we were alive, then we would. But that, that repeatedly doing the same thing with the same results, and now with a straight face, Grassley and the entire Republican Senate and House uh, saying the same thing all over again. Yeah, and the, and the other insane part of, of that whole thing is that um, uh, it, it's like, you know, look at what Sam Brownback did to Kansas. It's, it's like, I, I just, I don't understand how, well, I do understand, but you know, I've, I've You've seen the ads on TV that are paid for by these nonprofits associated with Koch Brothers and some of the other Yeah, many of sure. And, you know, every American is going to get $2,000 or I'm going to get $1,000 or, oh boy, it's a tax cut for the middle class. It's not, is it? No, it's not at all. And, and as you know, I was president of the Communication Workers Union for 10 years. My successor, Chris Shelton, actually sent letters to all the major CWA employers saying, we want to know now, when you get the corporate tax uh, cuts, it's a 40% corporate tax cut. Uh, what are the wage increases we should expect? Well, I know no one's going to be shocked to know not a single one will commit to a single dime. So we have this gap between the reality that where will it go? It'll go to shareholders. Today the Dow Jones is up 200 and something points, uh, almost 1%, just because of the likelihood that this tax cut for the corporations will be enacted. So that's who's going to benefit. And everybody knows it, and yet we many people pretend that it's something different. Wow, remarkable. Um, Bling. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, if, can we move move to another topic um, uh, of the news of the week, and then, then we'll get into our revolution. Um, it looks like Mike Flynn is not just flipping on, he might flip on everybody. I mean, you know, he apparently was, part of his plea deal was that he could wear a wire, but they didn't do that, it was just a week ago. So, but the, the larger question, I guess, for you is, um, you know, you and I both lived through the impeachment of Bill Clinton. We weren't old, we're not old enough for Andrew Johnson, but neither of those impeachments actually got a conviction in the Senate. And uh, in fact, I think they both missed by one vote. Yeah. And um, what, what do you think the possibility we could be looking at the impeachment of Donald Trump? And if that happens, what are your thoughts on Mike Pence's president? So, uh, you know, you're still looking at to be impeached, it takes the House doing it, where right? they have an overwhelming majority, at least right. until the elections next November. So, uh, you know, I, I still think that's a long shot, unless they, whoever they are, the back rooms of the Republican Party decide, uh, this guy's toxic for us, we face an election, we need to get him out. Wouldn't I, be for the right reasons necessarily, but it would be the same end result. I have heard from two, off the record, from two Republicans who are well, one's a fairly well-known writer and the other works for one of the right-wing websites, that if Trump signs the tax deal and if Mueller delivers even a largely irrelevant um, charge, but char Trump is charged with anything, I mean, look at what they went after Clinton for, lying about sex. If, if Mueller can pull that off, that the Republicans actually will throw Trump under the bus because they're as afraid of him as all the rest of us are when it comes to things like nuclear bombs and whatnot thoughts? Well, I, I think there's probably truth to that in a philosophical way. The question again is, imagine the House of Representatives, imagine the 237 or so Republicans. Uh, if they don't do that overwhelmingly, they, they look like a dysfunctional party even more so. So in other words, it's not like you can have 30 Republicans go with, uh, you know, 188 uh, Democrats and impeach the president. I mean, you could mathematically. I, I think it's entirely possible. You've got, you know, the, 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 there's, a, there's enough Republicans in the House who are very unhappy with Trump. Yeah, but they got to bring it through their committees where they have the chair. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. It's Paul Ryan ultimately has final say over this. Yes, yeah. John Roberts will preside over the process, which is going to make it even more weird. Yeah. So you're so, very skeptical that it'll happen. Well, I think it has to be overwhelming where the Republican Party is actually doing it rather than the Democrats are doing it and they get you know, a handful of uh, uh, Republicans to go along. Right. And so that's why I still think it's a long march from where we are. Yeah, remarkable. We're uh, live from Washington, D.C., our revolution headquarters. We'll be back with more with Larry Cohen. He's with us for a bit here. <laughs> Stick around. We'll be right back.
This is the Tom Hartman Program. Back, back with more of Larry Cohen and our revolution right after this. And welcome back. Larry Cohen and I are here. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit, you know, uh, about our revolution. Right. And, well, actually, I, I'd like to, we just lost our commercial stations. We're still on free speech TV and all our non-commercial stations. So let's let's hold that for four minutes until we come back. Okay. Okay. Um, but for right now, how do you see this thing playing out? We were just uh, the you know the, the not not just the possibility of impeachment, but just the whole you know is Trump going for a fall or is this the kind of thing? I mean, I remember when Clinton was impeached, his popularity went up to sixty, as I recall, sixty-seven percent or something like that. It was well over sixty percent. Um, could that you know if if the Democrats actually tried to impeach him, could it just backfire terribly, or if an impeachment process actually happens? Yeah, so again, the way the committee structure works in the House, the Republicans are going to have to take the lead. I think the Democrats, to a certain extent, are happy to hang this thing around the necks, if that's the right word, of the Republicans through the election. Right. So the Republican Party as a whole has to carry Trump with them, whether he campaigns or not, or whether they try to shove him in the closet. Right. And so uh, I actually think it'll turn around in the new year, and it'll be, do the Republicans want to make a move like that? Can they convince him to resign? Uh, so they have a more conventional Republican, although to me he's draconian, uh, the Vice President Pence. Uh, so I think it's hard to predict how that plays out. I do think that the election next November is going to be uh, largely a, a test of whether the kind of economics that Grassley promoted, that you talk about at the beginning of the, of the hour, uh, whether that is something they're willing to defend uh, you know, in Polk County, Iowa, let alone uh, anywhere else in this country. But they'll actually look working people in the face and say, it has to be the, the horse poop to the sparrow, and mm. you're the sparrow. Right. So the horse gets the oats. Right, right. And the sparrow gets the uh, half the oats, I guess. Right. <laughs> yes. I've been cautioned by you how to use terminology on yeah. the air. <laughs> yes, thank you. It's very considerate of yeah. uh, you. Yes. You mentioned that you were the president of communication workers. Yeah. How are they doing? They're doing well, given that working class people are under attack, whether they're union or not. Uh, the level of collective bargaining coverage in the United States is the lowest it's been, you know, since the early 20th century. Uh, so that means most people have no bargaining, and they even rights, and even those who do get to negotiate are affected by the competition from those who don't. So I would say that for working people as a whole, uh, we have to start over. How do we get the rights at work? Are we really going to put up with just going to work? And uh, there's a sign on the door that says your rights stop here. There, maybe there should be. We should actually print the signs and yeah. put them on doors across America. Huh? Yeah. You have no rights. Remember that. You that, can be fired at any time. Remember that. Is that true in every state? California has some bureaucracy around just cause, but every other state, yeah. Um, municipalities? Municipalities, often they're civil service, so there is a hearing procedure. But that's intrinsic to civil service. That's Correct. That's the law of, a, you know, like Lansing, Michigan hasn't passed a law saying no. you have a right to work in Lansing. No, the only good, I mean, the good thing about 19th century, early 20th century civil services, it does provide some due process because before that, it was patronage. It didn't matter where your job was on the public sector uh, ladder, right. uh, you were gone when the opponent won. But essentially everybody in the country is at will. Yeah. We'll be right back with more Larry Conrad. When was the last time you looked forward to sitting at your desk all day? Since getting my new X chair, not only am I enjoying the time spent in my desk much more than ever, but I can't believe how much more productive I'm being. My X chair is unbelievably stylish, and thanks to all the ways that you can personalize it, it literally molds itself to my body. Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair. And because I don't need to keep having to take breaks or to stretch my back, I'm getting more done in a day than ever before. If you spend a lot of time in your office chair every day, then you need to try the X chair. In fact, here's a terrific deal just for my listeners. The makers of X-Chair want you to feel the X-Chair difference for yourself. So if you go to xchairtom.com, that's the letter X, chair, T-H-O-M.com, not only will they knock $100 off the price, but they'll even throw in a free footrest if you use the promo code TOM. Just go to xchairtom.com now. I love my X-Chair, and you will too. So check out xchairtom, that's xchairtom.com. 
Check out xchairtom.com and be sure to use THOM as the promo code for your $100 discount. Welcome back. Tom Harmon here with you. And picking up your phone. I'm you know, here. We're live in Washington, D.C. this week and having a fine old time. And Kevin in Suffolk, Virginia. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for listening to Sirius XM. What's on your mind today? Yes, good, good morning. Hey, Kevin. Uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I was calling because um, I'm curious. I've been watching the news, and they're saying that a president cannot be convicted while sitting in an office of high, high crimes and misdemeanors. So I'm asking the question, is there is this all for nothing that Mueller is doing? If Ken have a, a lot of information to give to Mueller, is it that there's nothing can be done once all this stuff come out? And also the second question, if something does come out about, if something comes out about that is a charge with offense, do you think the Republicans will call for article of impeachment, just say if they get there, I'm not saying it will, do you think that they're that afraid of Donald Trump for 33% rating that they want, you know, with all the information they get, would they stand up for country over party, and do we have to wait and say we, if the Democrats, this is the last thing I'm going to say, and then I'm going to go because I want to hear your comment, if the Democrats take the House, do they have to wait until, if they happen, I, I know it's hypothetical, to to um, try to go forward with the process of articles of impeachment. I heard you say that the Democrats could take a chance on that, but I'm just saying we flip the house. So if you can answer that question for me, I get off the phone and listen to you. Okay, Kevin, thank you. Um, to the best of my knowledge, this is how the uh, system works: is that the the uh, the president and 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 many senior members um, of Congress and many members of Congress also. But in particular, the president have a certain level of what's referred to as sovereign immunity. But whether that extends to the president actually committing crimes, particularly before he was in office, because some of these allegations are coming from late December of last year. And, and for example, the Logan Act violations. The Logan Act is a law that was passed, as I recall, in like the 1790s or the 1810s or something. It's a real old law. And the, what, the, what they were concerned about back then was, uh, you know, Americans were constantly, first of all, you had about a third of America who had been opposed to the American Revolution to begin with and still wanted us to be part of England. And the, the founders and framers were con very conscious of that in the early legislatures. So, you know, probably by the time the Logan Act was passed, there was a broad consensus that this is America. But they were just, you know, worried about anybody trying to go out and, and do foreign policy on behalf of the United States when the United States, you know, when foreign policy is the province of the president, of the executive branch, the State Department. And so the law says that if you're engaging in, in foreign policy uh, with a foreign government, you have broken the law. Now, the law, Logan Act, only two people have ever been prosecuted under the Logan Act in the 200 years it's been on the law books, and nobody's ever been convicted. But it looks like that's the big one that Kushner and Flynn, by talking to the Russian ambassador and saying, don't overreact to the, uh, to the sanctions that President Obama's putting on you. Keep in mind, Barack Obama was president of the United States at the time that Mike Flynn was reaching out to the Russians and saying, you know, don't, don't freak out about the sanctions. So that's a fairly clear Logan Act violation for Flynn. If Trump ordered it, it's also a clear Logan Act violation for, for Trump. I'm very skeptical that they would prosecute him for this, particularly given the fact that nobody has ever been successfully prosecuted under this law. That's the biggest problem, although the Supreme Court reaffirmed in 1981, in a case before the court, that the Logan Act is still a viable thing. Um, but the principal way that you hold the president accountable for pretty much anything is through the process of impeachment. And uh, there is a conviction that happens in the United States Senate. Bill Clinton was not convicted. He, you know, his conviction was short one vote. Same with Andrew Johnson in, in the 1860s. Um, you know, Franklin, uh, excuse me, uh, Abraham Lincoln's vice president. So it, it, it seems to me that the, the principal vehicle that we have to focus on would probably be impeachment. Now there's a third option too that, that is not a criminal one, it's not a legal one, uh, it's not using the courts, and that's the 25th Amendment. And that's if the vice president and the cabinet, or a majority of the cabinet, 
uh, agree that the president is not capable of fulfilling his duties in, of office. That's the phrase in the 25th Amendment, as I recall. And if they agree on that, then they submit that to the House of Representatives. The House of Representatives votes on it, and boom, the president is gone, and the vice president becomes, becomes the president. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, we're in one of those points in time right now where we really don't know what Mueller has on these guys or what he might still get. So there's still a ways to go, and, you know, let's just hang on. Jesse in Miami. Hey, Jesse. Uh, how are you today? Hey, hi, Tom. Hey, uh, hey I Jesse. think uh, I know you're familiar with the speech Bernie gave over the weekend, and he mentioned that this tax cut bill is equivalent to, like, a class war. So yeah. with him saying that, to me, that's almost as relevant when he went to Wall Street and said greed is not good. He was, like, giving them a warning. And it seemed like they doubling doubling down on it by pushing this tax cut through. So well, that, is Bernie that's only half of it. Huh? Yeah, I'm sorry, Jesse. I'm sorry. Finish your thought. Yeah, no, I was saying, is Bernie doubling down by saying this class war? You just had uh, uh, Carhan on with our revolution, and they still seem to be focused on the political move. I know these, everybody's, you know, who know politics know that, you know, political power comes through economical power, and power respects power. So if he's going to say these guys are doing class war, does that change the focus a little from being so strong on trying to get you know politicians elected to start working more economically? Well, I, I would I would love to see uh, more discussions of you know rational discussions of economics in our political dialogue. The problem is that's arguably what we're having right now with this Republican tax scam, and it's such a dishonest dialogue. As long as we have billionaires sponsoring group, you know, sponsoring front groups that run ads on television saying to average working people, you're going to get a tax break, and not informing them that even if you do get a tax break, it's going to go away in a few years because we've got to make permanent the tax cuts for the billionaires and for the big corporations. Um, you know, we just don't have an honest political dialogue, and I know you know this, Jesse, and I think that that's the biggest challenge. The other thing, the, the thing that's the most outrageous, though, is, you know, speaking of Bernie Sanders, is that Bernie introduced legislation during the debate on the tax bill. He introduced a, 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 an amendment to the tax bill that simply said, we commit, well, I don't have the language in front of me, but basically it was very straightforward. Um, nothing that we do in this tax bill is going to harm Social Security, Medicare, or Medicaid in any way and may not be used to do so. Okay, basically, it was like, you know, we're putting a lockbox around Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Even though we're cutting revenue to the government, those programs won't suffer. So, you know, the effect of that would have been that if the government was running a larger budget deficit, that they would have two choices. They could either cut the, cut the or they could either raise taxes, or they could cut spending in anything other than Social Security, Medicare, or Medicaid, which probably means that they might, either they would go after the more obscure social safety net programs, which is what Republicans do, or maybe they would go after that $700 billion Pentagon budget. There's plenty of cash there. But, but in any case, Bernie put this amendment forward and said, you know, if you guys are, are telling the truth, Donald Trump, when he was running, when he was campaigning, he said, I'm, I'm going to tell you, everybody up on this platform is going to raise your, is going to, is going to raise your taxes and pass that money along. Oh, no, Bernie said, everybody on this platform is going to cut Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. That was the phrase. And he said, and I'm not. Donald, excuse me, Donald Trump said that. I'm scrambling everything here. So Trump campaigned on, I'm not going to cut Medicare, Medicare, Medicaid, or Social Security. Bernie said, okay, prove it. You know, you guys, if you all agree with Trump, just put this amendment in there. And the Republicans voted it down and got defeated. So that's the problem, Jesse, and it's a real substantial problem. Um, you know, the, we've got to, I mean, this is just nuts. Uh, Johnny in Lamarck, Texas. Hey, Johnny, what's on your mind today? Can you hear me? Yeah, I didn't hear you. Yeah, I hear you fine. Anyway, given the, uh, the, the dire situation we have in Asia, in particular the, uh, the uh, radiation problem in Japan and then with North Korea, that situation that could escalate to nuclear release, and given the um, tendency towards Republican presidents, especially this current one, 
to to engage in something like that in order to uh, detract from his criminality in, in the White House. I think it will be a good suggestion to the Democrats in Washington for them to propose a bill that would uh, make it unlawful for any president now or in the future to engage in unilateral military action of any type as long as one or more cabinet members or former cabinet members are under criminal investigation. And that would put the Republicans in a spot because they would then reveal that they really don't give a rat's rear about the country. They only care about themselves. Yeah, the only problem is what if, you know, the Secretary of Treasury, Steve Mnuchin, is being investigated for all the all the robo-signings he did to throw people out of their homes in California back when he ran that bank. He was considered the king of evictions. And in the middle of his investigation, North Korea sends a nuke to Los Angeles or something. I mean, the president has to be able to declare war. Congress has to be able to declare war to the president. But, I, you know, I get it. You're talking about unilateral actions. But we haven't had a declaration of war since World War II, so... I don't know, Johnny. Let me think about that. We'll be right back. To Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Back with more of your calls right after this. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. We're broadcasting live from the headquarters of Our Revolution in Washington, D.C. And in the studio with me today, or it, actually, I'm in your office. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and Nina Turner's office. I'm sitting at her desk. She's sitting at a guest desk. This is almost surreal. <laughs> but fine. Nina Turner, former Ohio State Senator, uh, former Bernie 2016 surrogate, and now the president of our revolution. It's so nice to have you with us again. So nice to have you with us, Tom. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it is is great. So, uh, the the work that you've been doing with our revolution, Larry gave us us a little bit of an update on what's going on, but I'd love to hear it from your point of view. Where where is the organization at? And, and, you know, of course, Larry had more to say about the Democratic Party. He just came from a Democratic meeting or whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But but what are you all up to? And what, what, you know, What's next? I mean, 2017 was a great year for us at Our Revolution in terms of the candidates across the spectrum that we were able to to get elected to office, particularly, as you know, 2017 is a more of a focus on local level offices and also state legislatures. But just wonderful. I mean, so our entire slate in Somerville uh, won to how we were able to lift our candidates in, in Virginia to, to the the, the representatives that won there. And the thing is, it wasn't, it was the tale of the people, the grassroots people that were running, people like Elizabeth Guzman and others, who is, you know, one of two Latinas to mm-hmm. ever serve, you know, in the House in, in Virginia on the, on the state level. It's just absolutely fascinating. But it was the tale of that grassroots energy that helped the gubernatorial candidate and not the other way around. In Virginia. And, in, in Virginia. And I believe we're going to see that all across the country, that the more people are excited, not just about who's serving in Congress, not just who's the president, although that matters a whole lot, especially we're understanding that, but also who is running for school board, who's running for city council, who's running for the state legislature. That's where we lost the most ground as Democrats over the last eight years, those 1,100 seats. A lot of those came from state level, whether it's statewide offices or the legislature. Well, and, and some of that probably was a consequence of the uh, of the Coke Network and some of the other big funders just starting to pour money. I mean, just in the last five six years, they've been pouring money into state level organizations. That's right. They created, you know, a local version of Alec. They did, but where they focused for eight years, we did not. I mean, those who are Democrats or Democratic leaning, and I'm talking about leadership. I'm not talking about the grassroots folks. Just kind of said, we got the White House. You know, we had the Congress for that first two years but no focus and no investment on the st- and state legislatures and also governor's mansions and secretary of states and those other statewide offices that really matter when you're trying to create a progressive America. Yeah. Well, we can turn that around, though. In our revolution, we're doing our part. So I, at, at our revolution, there's the obviously the federal stuff. Yes. You know, let's get more, let's take back Congress. Let's, yes, you know, 2018. Take, take the House, take yeah. the Senate. Let's, you know, we've got let's to do, do this because we've got, I mean, this 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 uh, tax scam that the Republicans are running is not just about taxes. It's about deconstructing. I mean, the New York Times was running a headline a couple days ago about, you know, what's up next, Social mm-hmm. Security and Medicare, because mm-hmm. they're going to play. This Jude Winitsky laid this back out back in 1977. Mm-hmm. He wrote a paper called The Two Santa Claus. 
Oh, wow. And, and what he said was that for the last 40, 50 years, the Democrats had been Santa Claus. They gave us Social Security, unemployment benefits, all these other things. And the Republicans were always Scrooge. Mm -hmm. And he said, so the Republican Party has to learn how to become Scrooge mm -hmm. and force the Democrats to shoot Santa. Mm -hmm. They're Santa. Mm -hmm. And he said, the way to do this is when Republicans are in office, run up huge debts yeah. and do it through tax cuts so that the Republican Party is known as the Santa Claus of tax cuts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then once the Democrats come into power, scream about the debts and force them to shoot their Santa of Social Security. And they're, and, and they're already, I mean, Marco Rubio over the weekend was talking yeah. about, you know, next is, we got to look at the structural problems with Social Security and Medicare. But that's everything. Senator Sanders has been saying that, and as you highlighted in, in the previous segment about the amendment he tried to get the Republicans to agree to. And I hope that all Republican voters see that, that when it comes to Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, the viability of you as an individual, your family, your community, that this is no longer about your political affiliation. That there is a clear delineation that these folks were not even willing, the GOP-controlled Congress was not even willing to say, we will protect Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare. That this is a power grab. It's a flat-out money grab taking our tax dollars and giving it, just giving it, to the, to, and, and sacrificing everybody along with it, the working poor and middle class for the benefit of the ultra-wealthy in this country. And speaking of that time, you know, Senator Sanders and I were just on tour, the Working Families Tour, uh, hosted by MoveOn.org, fabulous organization. It was so nice to partner with them and also uh, Tax March. It was just wonderful. We went to Louisville, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. I was told Louisville, that's a certain yeah. way you got to pronounce that. Yeah. That's where we started, but the senator was not there physically because he was fighting for the people on the floor of the Senate, and then we went to two cities in Ohio, Dayton and in Akron, and we ended up in Reading, Pennsylvania, yesterday afternoon. Over 1,300 people at every stop. The largest crowd was at Reading, in Reading, Pennsylvania. Over 1,600, I should say, I hope I said 1,300 people at every stop, those cities, and then 1,600 people on a Sunday afternoon during, during football season, Tom. Imagine that. 1,600 people in Reading, Pennsylvania. And you know, I want, I want your listeners and viewers to know a fun fact there, which is that in the, during the presidential 2016, Senator Sanders won that county where, where Reading sits. And, uh, and then Mr. Trump won it during the general yeah. by, by 10%. So, Senator, is going, we're going to places that, are, that lean red, but where people want to know that they're going to be elected officials and others standing up for them and their families. That's absolutely mind-blowing. You know, Senator talked about politics a lot. Oh, politics is about life and death. This is real. And that is really what the message was, is that we, we're fighting for justice and we're fighting for decency. And we need the people to rise up. Yeah. The, the amazing thing, apropos of, of, you know, of that, is that I knew we used to live in a marina down here in D.C. We still have a boat down there. And, yeah. And it's where we're staying while we're in town. And... Um, a lot of people down there are military or retired military, mm -hmm. and I knew a, a bunch. I mean, you know, six, seven, eight. I'd, I'd have to go through a list yeah. of guys, men and women, who who we knew quite well, who had probably never voted Democratic in their lives. Mm -hmm. They just identified as Republicans, who were enthusiastic Bernie supporters. Yes. And then when he lost the primary, they voted. To the best of my knowledge, every single one of them voted for Donald Trump. Wow. And and this is not a knock on Hillary Clinton. It's it's a it's a comment about the, the moment. This is the moment of the outsider. This is the moment. People, people get it that the political process has been so badly corrupted by money, thanks to the Supreme Court and Citizens yes. United, that they are just desperate for a candidate who says, I don't need the damn money, which is what Trump was saying. That's too. right. Absolutely. And the senator made that point brilliantly when he said, look, I don't begrudge people who voted for Mr. Trump. And obviously the audience got worked out. He said, wait, worked up. He said, wait a minute, now don't boo. He said, you had somebody who said one thing as a candidate and doing another thing as the president. He said, we're going to go after pharmaceutical companies, but he's doing a whole other thing. He said, I'm going to protect you. He's doing a whole other thing. So rationally, you could understand. And he said, but we have to hold him accountable for what candidate Trump said and what President Trump is actually doing. And I think that is the way to go. It's how we have become, you know, we picked our teams, but, but we're doing it in a way that erases other people's humanity. And that's where I think we have to draw a line. Now, if somebody is a flat-out racist, flat-out sexist, we know that when we see it, Charlottesville, that's one example. But to, to, to look down or to talk down or to talk negatively against people who voted for Mr. Trump based on what he promised 
is not the way we bring ourselves together as a country. You know, it just reminds me of what Dr. King said when he said that light, or he said darkness can't drive out darkness, only light can, and hate can't drive out hate, only love can. We have to focus in on the issues that unite us. And this tax bill, you know, I, I said trickle down is a trick. Yeah, it absolutely know? is. Nina Turner with us. We'll be right back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Back with more of Nina Turner, president of our revolution. Welcome back. Nina Turner, president of Our Revolution, is here with us. We're, we're, if, if I were to, if I were living in Des Moines, Iowa, or, you know, Minneapolis or whatever, and I were to show up at an Our Revolution office and say, here I am, what would my experience be? We would welcome you, first of all. <laughs> Thank you. Now, not all of our affiliates have offices. You know, these are grassroots-run organizations, you know, so they may or may not have an office, they might have meeting places, because it's really fueled by the grassroots. But I can give you an example of a place in my hometown of Cleveland, Cuyahoga County Progressive uh, Caucus that is there, and they actually do have an office. As a matter of fact, they had the first volunteer-funded office for Senator Sanders' campaign in the United States. Wow, in Lakewood, in, No, in Lakewood, Ohio. Okay. I'm Lakewood. from Cleveland. But in Lakewood, Cleveland, which is a suburb, a suburb of, of Cleveland, the first one in the country. And then they converted that to the Cuyahoga County uh, Progressive Caucus. So if you go there, you would be welcomed. You would be asked, what are the things, what are the issues that you care the most about within our platform? And then tasked to help and to work on those issues. So, for example, that... Or that part, that OR affiliate affiliate worked on Fight for 15, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get that pushed in, in Cleveland, Ohio. They endorsed candidates. But it would be about putting people within the revolution, working on the issues they care about. So if it's climate, if it's economics, if it's social justice, criminal justice, Choice. whatever that is. Choice, right, we need you to work on those issues that get your blood boiling. Because all of it, though, is working towards the whole creating a progressive America, one community at a time. Yeah, and and how how best to to share the word? Not just about our revolution, but also I had a caller. You, you yeah. probably heard it yeah. in the last half hour, who was like, "What do I do?" You know, and and my advice was find a group that you you feel comfortable with, That's whether it. it's drinking liberally or whether it's our revolution right. or, or the DNC itself, but. Uh, I, I, I totally agree with that, and I want them to visit. I mean, of course, as president of our revolution, I must say, <laughs> our revolution, we need you to join our revolution. But seriously, go to ourrevolution.com. We have a map on our website where folks can see where chapters already exist. We have over 500 right now. But you can even create a chapter of your own. But, you know, larger to your point, find a cause, find an organization, find something that, that moves you. Yeah. mentally and spiritually and volunteer your time because this is really about all hands on deck we are in a transition moment where the sleeping giants are awakening and we want people to work on and fight for those issues that they really believe in there's so there are a plethora of organizations all across this country doing the work that went together you know there's a proverb that says that light many hands make for light work and that's really what we need we need many hands on deck for this tremendous work that we have ahead of us as a nation and as a world in, in psychotherapy, there is a kind of conventional wisdom notion that one of the best ways to deal with people who are experiencing anxiety or depression is to find them something that they're enthusiastic about to do. Yeah. Here's your opportunity. Amen. Right? If, 20, if you're struggling, your work. <laughs> all the crap that's going on in the world, yes. here you go. You do. Just sign up do. for our revolution. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's made. we're going to hit this break in about 10 seconds. But sure. it, 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 there, our, you guys have such a great organization here. Thank I'm you. so pleased to be here. Hang on just a second. We're, we're hitting a break. We'll be back with more of Nina Turner, president of our revolution, former state senator from Ohio. Right after this. Nina Turner, the president of our revolution. And uh, the 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 tax the it, it, the well we've been talking about the tax scam. Um, I, I love the fact that basically you say anything that's in the Democratic Party, if that's what rings your bell, you can you can jump on it. But is our revolution as an institution right now focusing? What's what's your hierarchy of priorities? 
progressive candidates and progressive causes. You know, we are not, this is not about the Democratic Party, even though we have a transform the party or party building component to our work, but it is candidates and it is issues. Because one of the most important things in the progressive movement, I think that we, sometimes we forget, is that in order to create a progressive America, we do have to do it one community at a time, but we have to win the seats. Because the power, politics really is about power, and it doesn't have to be the ugly side of power. So to the extent that we can get progressives elected, like a Randall Woodfin, who is now mayor in Birmingham, Alabama, or a Lumumba, who's mayor of Jackson, Mississippi, or an Elizabeth Guzman, who is you know state rep-elect in Virginia, the more we can multiply that across the country is the way that we can get $15 an hour, the way we can get a commitment on the state level, local level, and hopefully in the Congress for, you know, college for all. So we have to understand that we have to win back the power and use that power, not to the detriment of the people like the GOP are doing, and some establishment Dems have done, but to use that power to benefit the people that you are serving through public policy. And that's, I mean, that's the idea of America. That is the ideal of America. That oversized, you know, when you talk about Citizens United and other Supreme Court, it, it was already bad before they did that, but now it's even worse. And so we got to remind the people, because people are heavy, Tom. I mean, that's what I found, you know, traveling. I've been to 60, I've been to 12 states in the last 60 days, not counting my tour with the senator over the weekend. People are heavy, and they have a right to be heavy, but I still want them to be hopeful, mm -hmm. because once we lose hope, we lose our urge and our energy and our, our enthusiasm for working towards what can be better. So it's all right to be heavy and angry in this moment, but I want people to channel that anger and that righteous indignation to get the change that they need. These really are heavy times. I mean, I met a mom in Louisville whose son has congested heart failure, and you know, she had tears in her eyes saying that not only was it hard for her to get health insurance for her son, but she said she couldn't even get life insurance for her son. He's 10 years old. Think about how cruel that is. That's insane, that's insane. Um, Apropos of our revolution, I think in some people's minds, they think of our revolution as basically the extension of the Bernie campaign, this is Bernie's thing. But if Bernie were to, uh, God forbid, go away one way or another tomorrow morning. Yeah, God whatever, forbid. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what would happen? I mean, to what, to what extent is our revolution an extension of the Bernie movement versus has taken on a life of its own as one of the major leaders in the new emerging progressive movement? I mean, that's what the senator, that last statement, that's what he wanted. You know, he always said, this is not about me. He said that this weekend when he talked about the work of our revolution and his work, but he said, it's not about me, Bernie Sanders, it's not about Nina Turner, but it's about all of you. He said that as a candidate, too. And, you know, our slogan is, campaigns end, but revolutions endure. And this is about building legacy generation after generation after generation. And to have someone like Senator Sanders who understand that his creation, yes, it was his vision, he created this, but that it is bigger than him and that it will outlive him because we want that next generation to pick up the mantle to continue to push because there's always going to be an assignment for each generation to push social justice for the next. And that is what our revolution is about, very much in the spirit of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, the poor people's you know, poor people's movement, who Reverend Barber has picked up that and has a poor people's movement. But this is so much bigger than the senator. That's what he would say. Yeah. yeah. Has said, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, are, are you, somebody called and said that our revolution is part of an alliance of other progressive groups. How is our revolution working with other progressive groups? I mean, well, I mean, we're doing that. One of our callers, I think one of our affiliates called about, you know, joining the fight for our dreamers right mm -hmm. now. Which we have going on, so people can go to that join the fight for our you know join the fight for our dreamers .com, or they can go to our revolution website. But we're doing that in collaboration with other groups. We work a lot with MoveOn.org, Democracy for America, you know National Nurses United, because not, even though we're an organization, we can't do it by ourselves either. And so we need other progressive organizations where we join and fight for issues. Even the People's Platform, the Summer for Progress, that was a collaboration, even though we were the lead. It was a collaboration, the first among equals, so to speak, because I believe in that. But we were the lead in, in creating the people's platform and pushing that through, calling it the Summer of Progress. So it is vitally important that no matter how important the organization thinks that they are, you can never do this alone. And we are fortunate that in this particular time in our nation's history, the uprising, if you will, of progressive organizations, both big and small, they're everywhere, and more are being created. And to me, again, that shows that the sleeping giants across this country, they are awakening, and they are using their power to push back. Mm. 
It, it's and I think I think you're absolutely right. And uh, I think we're going to hit a break here, or we're going to hit the end of the segment actually in 15, 20 seconds, real quickly. Uh, well, there's the music. If somebody wants to join, ourrevolution.com. Ourrevolution.com. Yes, there you go. join. Be yes. a part Please of the revolution. Nina Turner, the great Nina Turner. And, and so pleased to have you with us. And thank you for letting us use your office. Anytime. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Anytime, Tom Hartman. Nina Turner, we love you. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. And I'll be back with more of the news of the day and your calls right after this. Everybody's talking about superfoods, those nutritionally dense foods that are especially beneficial to your health. Did you know that one of the most powerful superfoods you can put into your body is beets? They're loaded with an important nutrient that increases your blood flow, which increases your energy. But who wants to eat a pile of beets every day? Not me. But now you can get the energy benefits of beets in a powerful, concentrated superfood drink, Superbeets. Only Superbeets is made from beets grown to exacting standards, then concentrated into superfood crystals. Superbeets promotes the body's own natural ability to produce healthier circulation for increased energy and stamina all day long. So if you want the benefits of a powerful superfood, call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeets.com. With your first order, get another 30-day supply of Superbeets for free, plus indicator strips to see how Superbeets is working for you, and free shipping. So call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com today. That's 800-568-9889, tomsbeats.com on the interwebs. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you, broadcasting live from the studios of Our Revolution. And with me is Sam Adramola. Yes, Adramola. Perfect. (laughs) Great having you with us, Sam. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining. First of all, tell us what you do here at Our Revolution and how you came to be here. Uh, Well, um, I am a graphic designer here at Our Revolution, and I was a big supporter of the Bernie Sanders campaign. And um, I was doing a little freelance work, and I got a little tired of, you know, doing projects and things that I, that I really didn't care about or was passionate about. And when I saw the opportunity where our revolution, I applied, and they gladly gave me the offer, and I've been here ever since. That is so cool. Now, your English sounds to me like you're a native-born American, and yes. you thought you were until high school. Tell us this story. Yeah, uh, so I am a first-generation immigrant from Nigeria. I was brought here at the age of two. and. Um, I didn't realize um, I was undocumented or didn't have any status in this country until I uh, was about to graduate college, I mean high school rather, and um, I was uh, doing athletics, I ran track and field, and I was getting um, some some offers for um, athletic scholarships, and when you have to fill out a collegiate rec- um, academic form um, to get uh, um, an athletic scholarship, you need a social security number. And I had no idea what mine was, and that's when I kind of realized I had no status in the United States. And I had to kind of like figure things out. And What went through your mind? Well, I was like, what is going on? Um, Mom, why don't I have status? What is my social security number? How can we fix this? Because at the time, it's like all my friends are going to school, getting ready for college, everybody's getting excited, and I'm like missing out on all this, and I felt very terrible. and didn't know what to do and, you know, just kind of had my back against the wall you know, throughout all of it. And, so what happened? Uh, well, my father um, was um, a permanent resident and became a naturalized citizen, so he had to file for me. And because there were some, some issues with some of my documents, I couldn't have everything, they immediately put me on deportation. So I had to go through some deportation proceedings. And um, that what was, was that like? It was very scary. Um, well, it happened while I was I was able to go to school, um, to college, because I started at a community college. And uh, since I didn't have any status, they considered me an international student, so I had to pay almost four times as much. Um, and I, I, while I was getting my, my thing situated with filing, um, they give you a conditional work permit. And with that, I got my first job at Starbucks. It was, you know using all the money that I, that I got from tips or my paychecks to go towards school. And I was taking like one class a semester, uh, just trying to make it work. So when they found that I didn't have a certain amount of documents, they put me on deportation um, immediately, and that canceled my work permit. 
And I remember having a, a job at the time and having to be exported off of the premises because my work permit was invalid. And uh, my mother um, was disabled and she wasn't working. And I was basically the man of the house at the time. And just, you can imagine this losing your ability to provide for your family um, off of something that wasn't your fault. And you thinking you, you were um, a good person, I'm a, I'm a good person. Um, didn't have a criminal background or anything. You know, I just wanted to go to school. I just wanted to earn a good living and be able to provide for my family, and I couldn't do that. And it was a circumstance that was out of my control. And I was brought here as a, as a young kid, so I didn't have the choice of um, of living here. But I I was here, and I immediately had to do what I could to make ends meet. Um, and that's how I actually got into graphic design. Uh, learning how to create flyers and then do things to make uh, a living as, as best as I can. And yeah. Um, Were you a dreamer for a while? Were you part of Yeah, that? I was a dreamer, but um, I wasn't able to be a beneficiary, uh, beneficiary of DACA because I was under the deportation proceedings. And ironically enough, this, when, you're, when you're on deportation, you get to qualify for something called cancellation of removal. And what you have to do is pr um, prove that you are... Um, You've been in the country for a certain amount of uh, years, and I had that with my school records. You also had to prove that you're a person of good moral character. Um, I had people write affidavits of support for me. Um, no criminal background. I was clean. Um, and I am clean. <laughs> and then lastly, which is the hardest thing to prove, is that you have to prove that um, your deportation will result in what they call a cruel and unusual hardship for a permanent resident um, spouse or parent or naturalized citizen spouse or parent. Um, since my mother was disabled, and since my father was um, disabled as well, um, they constituted that as uh, cruel and unusual hardship since I was the only son here. So it's kind of like a God having a funny sense of humor that, okay, the only reason why I was able to have status in this country is because I have two disabled parents, which is it's kind of crazy to think about, but that's the, the road that I had to, to travel to be able to have status in this country. And I know there's a lot of people who are like me, who are dreamers who are like me and who look like me. And and oftentimes, you know, the, the narrative of a dreamer is someone of uh, Latin American culture, but I'm from Africa and there's a lot of dreamers that are from Africa, that are from um, other countries. And it, it needs to be understood that this is a big, big, big thing that affects so many people here who are trying to live good lives, earn good livings and provide for their families. Yeah. We have, we have about three minutes left. Tell me about your, your, you know, our revolution deals with a lot of issues. Yeah. Are you focused on the DACA stuff or, or do you do other, I mean, you're, you're doing graphic, graphic. Yeah. Work, is it? Naturally with my, my role as a graphic designer, I have to support all things that we do here mm -hmm. at our revolution. But one thing that we're doing specifically as it pertains to immigration is the outdoor campaign that we're a part of, which is a coalition, coalition of progressive orgs who are trying to push Congress to pass a clean dream act. Um, and, if you want to support it, you can go to fightforourdream.org and there's tons of actions that people could partake in today, tomorrow, and later on um, in this week. Um, so um, that's one of the things I'm pushing. And one, my contribution to that is um, I actually created the, the logo and some of the imagery uh, surrounded by that. So I'm very happy to be able to using to be using my skills to support um, such a positive thing and uh, continue to fight for immigration. Yeah, that's absolutely great. Um, one of the senators, I'm, I'm Sorry, I can't remember which one. Maybe you know. One of the senators said that the price for their vote for for the Republican tax scam was that the that Mitch McConnell promised to them that in the future he would he would uh, you know do something about DACA that he that he would fix DACA that he would bring it back. Mm -hmm. I think he was lied to. <laughs> but but I'm curious if you're hearing anything from any Republicans since they control the House and Senate right now uh, that might give you and and. Um, well, you know, you're kind of past the process now, but, mm -hmm. you know, your peers from when you were, yeah. uh, some hope. Well, you know, we, we've learned that the DREAM Act has been around for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. So at this point, we're past hoping. We're past, we're, that's where our, back is, our backs are against the wall. And this needs to happen because we don't have, we don't have time. So I don't think we're, we're looking for hope or, 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 a, or um, a gleam of, of this 
being a possibility, we want to do whatever we can to make sure that it's, it's a clean dream that's, that's, that's passed. So I wouldn't say that's something we're looking for. Right now we're focused on like doing the actions to get the results that we want. Yeah. So we're not going to stop until we see it. Well, and, and I mean, this is kind of core to the to the mission of our revolution, we have to build grassroots support. Exactly, and this things don't get things don't happen unless that that support is there, and that's what the, the our dream campaign is about. Yeah, um, Sam Adaramolo. Ah, you had it right. Can you say it? Okay, Adaramola. Ah, Adaramola. Thank you, Sam. It's it's such an honor to meet yeah. you, and and thank you so much for letting us uh, do our show here from your your home, thank you. your, your, your your headquarters, your work. Yeah, thank you. Great to meet you. Thank you for having me. We'll be back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Back with more right after this from our revolution story. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you and Howard in Manhattan. Hey, Howard, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. I was going to talk a little bit about uh, the sixth extinction, but you covered it very well. Well, just to add to that, that um, they've had uh, defunding some of the fuel research in the NIH budget, and they will res- the part that will be affected is the part where they did the research in order to treat uh, the, any new pathogens um, that will arise, which obviously we need to prevent a pandemic. But as long as um, I have just one quick, I'm sort of changing my mind. You talked about the uh, tax legislation in Marco Rubio about the defunding Social Security and Medicare. Before we leave, can you give your audience some ray of hope or some good news? Yeah, well, that's always a good question or a good request, Howard. The good news is whatever the Republicans do, the Democrats can undo, number one. And number two, in all probability, what the Republicans are doing is going to lead to a disaster. Now, that's mixed news. It's not good news for the people who are going to be hurt, the people who are going to be foreclosed on. There's going to be another mortgage crisis. There's going to be a, you know, I mean... When things go down, they're going to go down very painfully. Um, Do you that's the bad news the for all of us who are going to be hurt by that. Are win the 2018 House? I, I think there's a, I, I would put it at about a 10 or 20% chance, but I think 2020, the odds are well over 50%. Okay. Thanks a lot, Tom, for the great work you always do. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you, Howard. And if we're, and by the way, let me just add a caveat to that. If we're going to take the House, the Senate, and the White House in 2020, Everybody needs, and, and Howard, thank you for your call. I, I don't want to direct this just to you, but the you, I'm talking to you now who are listening, you have to make sure that you are registered to vote. And if you live in a state where you have a Republican Secretary of State and or a Republican governor, they have, in all probability, as they did in, 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 uh, in uh, Michigan, in Pennsylvania, in Wisconsin, in Ohio, and in Indiana, just before the last election, they knocked literally tens to hundreds of thousands of people off the voting rolls in each one of those states. Principally people, this is Chris Kobach's program, Interstate Crosscheck, principally people of color, principally people who have Hispanic, Asian, or common African-American last names. Those are the people who got thrown off the Although a lot of people who simply had the misfortune of living in largely Democratic districts, uh, you know, white people got thrown off too. So double, if you live in an area where the Republicans can be messing with the voting rolls, double check it and do it every three or four months. Double check your voter registration because the Republicans don't want you to vote. I, I am convinced that the one thing that could have changed in the last election that would have made Hillary Clinton president is if Rick Snyder in, in Michigan, if Scott Walker in Wisconsin, if uh, John Kasich in Ohio, if uh, whoever the guy is who followed Mike Pence in Indiana, if the governor of, of Pennsylvania, if, if all of these, if those, in those states, they had said to Chris Kobach, prove to us that we should take two, 300,000 people off our voting rolls, prove it to us, then Hillary Clinton would be in the White House right now because she lost in most of those states by fewer than 20,000 votes. And, and literally hundreds of thousands of people were stripped from the voting rolls, and they're continuing it. Right now there's a Democrat who's on the, on the, on the president's so-called voting commission who's suing the commission because Chris Kobach is planning the next giant voter purge for the 2018 election, for next year's election. He's planning it in secret. Only Republicans on the voting commission can participate in the meetings. There's actually a lawsuit about this right now. I mean, this is how crazy it is. So we have to fight back at the individual level because the Republicans are absolutely committed to keeping us from voting. So 
step by step, right? Heidi in uh, Bellevue, Washington. Hey, Heidi, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. I've taken to calling you every week because you're my therapy. But um, okay. anyway, you had a caller who um, who was running for Santa Fe um, City Council, and you asked mm-hmm. him how helpful the Democratic Party um, had been. I um, ran for city council in my town over the summer, and um, it's kind of a, a runoff. There were three people, and then you know two would make it to the final elections. So anyway, my experience with the Democratic Party was just the opposite. Um, I um, when I filed um, when I when I when I filed to run for city council, I received an email from the Democratic Party asking me to fill out you know, some paperwork to come speak, you know, to see if they could support me and to come speak to the party, my local party. And um, I filled it out. Um, I was invited to come to a meeting on, on a Tuesday. I think I filled it out on a, um, the, the week before, but I was invited to come speak to the party, to meet with the party on the following Tuesday. And then over the weekend, I got an email that I had been disinvited, and I asked why, and they said that I wasn't a Democrat because I had worked with um, Kashama Sawant, the um, socialist, um, mm-hmm. the, the um, socialist um, Seattle city council, in the suburb of Seattle, the um, Seattle, um, the socialist Seattle council member. And so I was disinvited. Um, the real reason turned out to be that really a, a lovely woman who, who, whom I know tangentially, an extremely qualified woman, was, was running for the Democrat seat, but they didn't tell me that. I mean, this woman was so qualified. I mean, she did undergrad University of Washington. Went to, she's an immigration lawyer. She went to Yale for law school, got a master's degree in public administration from um, Harvard. And so anyway, um, so they didn't tell me. So I was not able to withdraw. So I, you know, went ahead and, and, and ran, you know, but, you know, as a democratic socialist. And um, I ended up getting about almost 10 percent of the vote. But the, the thing is, Whoa, that's great. Hi, real quick. So anyway, um, you know, then I was asked to, to endorse this woman, and I did it because I just had a feeling that she was going to lose because of the shenanigans kind of of the Democratic Party around here. Heidi, I'm I'm flat out of time, but thank you. It's an amazing story, and and thank you so much for the call. I I wish I had another 30 seconds to hear the very end of it. Thank you so much for being with us today. OurRevolution.com, check it out. We'll be in other places throughout the week. And don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. Get out there, get active, tag. You're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 